right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Shades of Strong, where we are talking about all the things that shape, make, and sometimes break the strong Black woman. Hi, I'm Cheryl. Where you at, Natty? I'm here. Praise God, I'm here. I know, Mm. girl. Yes, 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 yes. We are here in the building, the virtual building. Right. And we are super happy to be here. This is part two of our mailbag episode. Last week was a lot of fun. Natty, as a matter of fact, I had a male to listen to that episode and he came back and he was just like, it was so good. He was. Wow. Yes. I was like, well, you need to get on to Apple Podcasts and give us our first male review. (laughs) But he said, like, he said he thoroughly enjoyed it. And he's a young guy in his in his mid 20s. He said he said that he thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a really good it was a really good episode. It was his first time ever listening to Shades of Strong. So yeah, shout out That's to, what's up. Shout out to to Will. Shout William. out to you, young man. Yes. Shout out to William for listening to the podcast and giving us yes. some positive feedback. So yeah, we appreciate that. But we still want you to leave Definitely. us a review. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Put it in writing. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so we are going to do part two of that. And once again, y'all know how we do it around here. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Shades of Strong across the board. Hit us up on our website at shadesofstrong.com. You can leave us a voice message there. You can also send us an email at hi at Shades of Strong. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about this episode. It can be about last week's episode or last month's episode. If you got something to say, we want to hear it. Right, Nanny? That's right. Definitely. All right. So let's go on with question number one. What's our first question tonight? Let's us see here. Hmm. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Okay. So this is a good one. Childhood trauma. How do you forgive people who are not sorry? That's a good one. And it's a hard one. It's a really, really hard one. Forgiveness in itself is challenging. Yeah. Because we have the tendency to kind of hold on to that because we think if I forgive him or her, then I am letting them off the hook. Right. And so to be able to forgive somebody who has no remorse for whatever they did, you can imagine that can be even harder. Oh, yeah. For me, it's hard because I've I've been in that position before and it is truly difficult to feel some to forgive someone who is not sorry for for what they what for what they have done to you. (laughs) Sometimes I just have to slow it down. It's hard to forgive people, especially when when they are not sorry. And I've shared some of my story on previous episodes. So. I'm going to share it again today. You guys can go back and listen to 13, 14, 15, whatever it was. Yeah, it was recent a couple of episodes back. But the point I'm trying to make is I've been through a lot of traumatic events in my life that have that have put me in a position where I've had to forgive people who weren't sorry. Or maybe they were sorry and I didn't know they were sorry because I had completely dissolved that relationship. But I think the very first thing in forgiving a person who is not sorry is to realize, and this is going to sound super cliche, that forgiveness is not for them. It's not for them. Yep. Yep. And I think that's what 
we often forget is that it's not necessarily letting the person or the offender off the hook. It's letting yourself off the hook. And so I think that's the very first thing that you need to remember is that it's not about them. And you have to get to a point where you are okay with the sorry that you did not receive because everybody's not going to offer an apology. They're going to do you wrong. They're going to dog you out and they are not going to come back and say, I'm sorry. And you've got to be okay with that because harboring unforgiveness makes a miserable existence. Sure does. I mean, it's, it takes so much energy to hold on to that. Now I will say that we have to define what forgiveness looks like for us. If that makes any sense, because it's not going to look the same for everybody. And I also want to point out, and when I say it's not going to look the same, is that a lot of us think that, oh, if I forgive him, then I got to be okay with him. But you can forgive and separate. Right. You can forgive and not have any type of relationship with that person. Am I right, Natty? Right. You're absolutely right. You don't forgive people and then feel like, or are people, some, especially church folk, and I hate to say that, but it's the truth. Church folk, some church folk, I don't want to put them all in a, in, in a box, want you to forgive people. And then they, some of them will make you feel like you haven't forgiven if you can't be in that person's presence. It's not that I can't be in their presence. I choose not. Choose not to. To be in their presence because I'm going to. You have every right to do that. Exactly. I'm going to protect my peace and I'm going to protect my energy. As a matter of fact, Natty, I remember a couple years ago, you and I and a couple and some other women had this conversation where this lady sent in an email to us and she was questioning whether or not she should go to dinner with her daughter because her daughter was getting married and her daughter wanted her to go to dinner with her and her dad, who was very abusive to her. I mean, extremely abusive, physically abusive. I remember he had locked her in a closet. He had urinated on her. And so she was asking if her not wanting to go to dinner and sit at a table with her daughter's father meant that she had not forgiven him. I said, no, that's, it does not mean that you have not forgiven him because you have a right to protect your peace. You have a right to protect your space. You have a, a right. right to protect your energy. So forgiving an individual does not necessarily mean, does not mean at all that you have to have any type of relationship with that person. You, because forgiveness is for you, you get to choose what that looks like for you. That's really good. That's really good. I agree 100%. Listen, there are, there are relationships that look like they are in the gutter forever. and It's not that some relationships can't be restored or anything like that. We know that that can happen. That happens through the grace of God, honestly. It doesn't really happen from any of our own efforts. And I think when that does happen, it's because it's supposed to, not because we necessarily did anything extra to try and facilitate that. And I also think it's when there are maybe other people affected, you know, when people are, have relationships and they have children, they have families and, and someone's while not for whatever reason, and they kind 
kind of lose their mind and then they get their mind back. And if someone's forgiven them, maybe that can be restored. But that is not the case all the time. And again, like I said, I think that's something that that's the work of the Lord. That's not something that we have to try and make happen. And when you feel like it's something that you, if you feel like it's something that you have to make happen, you can feel like maybe you're obligated to try and patch things up, even though you've forgiven the person and they haven't, they haven't done anything to, to make amends with you or anything like that. It's real easy to feel like you have some sort of burden to, to be cordial or be whatever. Kind of like the lady was, who was like, should I even go to dinner? Because, I mean, this is my daughter's wedding. But I remember, we, yeah, we all kind of said the same thing. We said, no, this is someone who really hurt you. And you've done a lot of work to get to a place where you could forgive this person so that you could be at peace. And you're absolutely under no obligation to go and spend any time with that person ever again, even though you guys share a child. You share a child, but she's also a grown woman. So it's not like, you know, a five or six-year-old, some large occasion happening in, in a young child's life. And maybe you are in a situation where there's not much choice but to be in the same, the same space because you're there for your child. But your child's a grown woman. And so I think like she would understand if you didn't want to be around him and why. So, but to also to speak to what, something else that you were saying, Shirley, how it isn't for the other person. It is for you. And we say, we've said that before. It's true. It's, it's a real lesson that we have to learn. I know there have been times where I was really tempted to just stay bitter about something. And it was always with different relationships that I thought would last, you know, a long time. I don't just mean romantic, but I mean just friendships, romantic relationships, you know, a marriage, that kind of thing. And it can feel really, really good sometimes to your flesh to just stay mad, to just stay big mad because you deserve to, to be mad and they mm-hmm. deserve to get whatever horrible things they've got coming to, you know, that kind of thing. And what you said about, you know, the unforgiveness making for a miserable existence, what we don't understand a lot of times, or maybe we do know and we just forget is when we choose to hold on to that because it feels good in the moment, imagine them getting their just dessert or mm-hmm. imagine us telling them off, telling them all the stuff we wanted to say to them that we never got a chance to, all that kind of stuff. It's not, it's not doing anything to the other person. Like you want that other person to be hurt. They're not being hurt exactly. at all by you being exactly. super angry at them. Because they've gone on about their business. They've gone on completely about their business, Mm -hmm. especially if they're not sorry and they're not remorseful. That means that they're probably not checking for you at all. So you sitting here and and harboring all of this toward them is doing nothing to them, which is what you want, right? You want stuff to happen to them. It's not happening to it's not happening to them. It's happening to you. And it's just making you sicker. It can be making you sicker in your body. It can be making you sicker emotionally mentally spiritually and it can it can drain you it can drain your, your energy all that stuff it 
almost feels like in a situation like that, in that instance, you care. You're mad at that other person, but it almost seems like you care more about that person than you do about yourself because you're doing all of this harm to yourself and you're not stopping. You're continuing to hold on and you're continuing to be really, really angry and let, and you're continuing to let that anger fester. So we've got to really come to a firm understanding of how forgiveness is also an aspect of taking care of ourselves. I, I agree. And I think, and this, this particular question is, is relating to childhood trauma because she did put on their childhood trauma. How do you mm-hmm. forgive people who are not sorry? And I know when it comes to childhood trauma, it can be an abusive parent. Mm-hmm. It can be an abusive relative, be that sexually or physically, verbally, emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. And when, I think what happens when, when we have that hurt in childhood, we bring it into adulthood and it makes it difficult for us to forgive because maybe it was mama mm-hmm. or maybe mm-hmm. it was daddy and mama and daddy are supposed to be protecting us, but right. then here they are hurting us. So I think that makes it a little more challenging when it is someone that is supposed to protect us from harm, but here they are harming us. But even when and if it's a parent or any or any relative, forgiveness is always for you. Yes. When you refuse to forgive, you are ultimately giving your offender control of your life mm-hmm. because they are deciding when you'll love again, when you'll yeah. laugh again, when you when you allow yourself to be loved again, they're deciding when you'll be happy again because you harboring all of that. There is no way you are telling me that you are harboring all of that and that you're truly happy. You're not because right. you you can't be happy because you're not healed. Right. Once you have healed, then you can forgive. So if you're trying to get to a point where you want to forgive someone, first of all, Get some healing. Get some healing. And second of all, do like my mom says. Because you know what makes me, what used to make me mad when I see a person who's done something to me and they're, they're going on there laughing and having a good time with their life. It makes me angry. Because how mm-hmm. dare you be enjoying your life? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm miserable. But you know what? Do to them what they're doing to you. Go on mm-hmm. with your life. Yeah, go on with your life. Again, like I said, if you if you're... If you're not going on with your life and yet you see that they're going on with theirs, clearly in that instance, it's like you don't care about yourself as much as you care about them because you're not doing what you need to make yourself happy. Exactly. Um, you're more concerned, concerned about their happiness. And just like you said, Shirley, if you're allowing someone to have that kind of control over you, then you definitely care more about them because no one exactly. should be controlling you, can, you, you. Exactly. You should, nobody should have that kind of control over your life. So if you're Absolutely harboring not. unforgiveness, you've got to take your control back. That's what I challenge this individual to do. My challenge to you is to take back your control because by not forgiving, you are giving that person control over your life. They control your moves. Can you imagine being in a, in a room with 
your mom or even your dad and they weren't kind to you or they, they were really abusive to you as a child. Can you imagine sitting in a room with them and they're laughing and talking and they're and they're having a good time and maybe even bragging about horrible things that they've done. Yes. Right? And then you're sitting there and you're looking, you're looking at them and all this anger is festering. That is a miserable existence. You know what else you have the right to do, even if it's mom and dad? You have the right to love mom and dad from a distance. From a distance. I was just about to say that. You do not have to be in their presence. You sure don't. I think we have such, um, especially in our community, I don't know how it is with other communities, but there's definitely this whole thing about even if your mom or dad did horrible things to you. Yeah, it's still your mom. It's, it's still, still your, your mama. It's still your daddy. It's exactly. Like, well, that that hardly means anything. That just means this person gave birth to me. That means that this person contributed to me coming to exist. That's all that means. It doesn't mean that I owe them anything else, especially now that I'm an adult. And if they're if they can't respect me enough to see the harm that they've done and acknowledge it and apologize or feel any kind of remorse, especially since I'm their kid, if they can't respect me enough to do that, then I don't need to return respect that I don't get. Exactly. <laughs> you know? It doesn't matter if, it, if it's your mom or your dad, your aunt, your uncle, your sister, your brother. If they are not honoring you, if they are not honoring your peace, your healing, you don't have to be around them. That is your sure don't. You can love, like, you know, Natty, honey, she'd be like, I love him with the love of God, but I'm out. From far, That's- far away. <laughs> yes. From super far away. That is what you have to do. I have that kind of situation in my own family, and it's, it was never my parents. But with relatives like Jude, I don't even really know you like that. So if we're not cool, we're not cool, whatever. I don't ever have to see you again. But yeah, like we get into this whole, that's still your mom, that's still your dad. You got to honor your parents, got to honor your mother, your father. I'm like, I don't think we fully understand exactly what honoring means. I think part of honoring your mother or father is exactly what we're talking about. Being able to forgive so that you don't harbor bitterness towards someone. And sometimes that's going to mean leaving them and walking away from them. Right. That just means that you don't harbor bitterness towards them. It just means you don't hope that they walk off a cliff. That's what that means. It just means that you don't wish them any ill will and you're going to go on with your life. It doesn't mean that you have to attempt, like I was saying earlier, to try and maintain a relationship with someone who's harmful to you someone who doesn't respect you, someone who treats you with dishonor. Why would you want to? There's no peace in that. There's no peace in that. And you don't, I mean, why try and honor, in air quotes, someone who does nothing but treat you with dishonor? That doesn't make any sense. It just, so forgiving just means I'm not going to bed every night wishing you would die or wishing something bad would happen to you. I'm going to bed every night saying, this person has done horrible things to me, but they don't owe me anything. I'm canceling this debt so that Ooh, I can be that at peace. Part. Yes. Because you know good and well you want people to cancel your debts, you know, toward them. We talk about student loans and all that kind of stuff. Like, oh, I want it to be <laughs> forgiven. Let's cancel it. So you right. got to be able to do that with for other people. You right? have to so be able to do that with other people so that you can be at peace. 
And I think that's the whole thing with forgiveness. We feel like the offender owes us something. And we also feel like if he or she never apologizes that I cannot get closure. You can get closure without an apology. You sure can. I'm going to say it again. You can get closure without an apology. You do not need an apology to get closure. Create your own closure by living your life, taking your life back and deciding. I can either forgive or I can feel like crap. Which one is it going to be? You got to choose one. You forgive or you feel like crap. There are lots of things in life that, that happen that are kind of out of our control and we have no choice, but there are lots of other things that we do have a choice. And that's one of those things. And that's one of those things. Forgive or feel like crap. And if you need mm-hmm. some help, because we in this episode, we don't have time to go through the steps to, to forgiveness. But if you need some support in, or, or you need someone to help guide you in forgiving, we're holding space for you. Mm-hmm. We're here for you. We'll help you. Shoot us an email. Hi at shadesofstrong.com. Yeah. And if you have the means, you know, like Shirley was saying, get some healing. If that, that, that can look like if you have the means to do so, talking to a therapist, talking to someone who can hold space for you as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because I think at the root of unforgiveness is also unhealed places. So mm-hmm. get some yeah, healing, definitely. get some forgiveness. Natty and I are, are holding space for you if you need some support along the way. Again, we are not therapists. But we are great listeners. Yep. We are, we are. We've gone through our own healing and forgiveness process. So we can definitely listen, listen and offer some suggestions. But by all means, forgive, let go, take back your power and choose. Do I want to forgive or do I want to feel like crap? Yep. Those are your only two choices, honey. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's there's it. no, there's no both and with that. No, exactly. that's very binary. That's like either exactly. do or don't. Either, either do yeah. or don't. And I'm telling you from personal experience, forgive. Yeah, it's so worth it. When you do. Yeah. It's so worth it. All right. Next question. Next question is, how do you trust your child again after they break your trust? Okay. Well, I don't, I can't say that I have uh, experience with that, with a child breaking my trust. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I have some ideas, but I'd rather you take the lead on this. Oh, one. so she just assumed my kids done broke my trust. <laughs> Y'all see how she no, <laughs> no, just because all, all of your kids are grown. That's the only reason why. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I only have one that's grown. The rest are still small. They ain't really done anything super horrible. So I know, I know that's not what you're saying. But yeah, so yeah, um, they have. (laughs) And it is, I will say that it is indeed challenging for me because number one, as I said in last week's episode, I'm the type of parent that likes to be privy to everything. And I'm also the type of parent that will trust you until you prove to me that I can't. And once you've broken my trust, it's a little hard for me to get back to that space because now i got to watch you like with a hawk's eye. I, I will say that at some point or another, all of my children 
have broken my trust. And it was hard. It was so hard. But I think in that, like we talked about last week, is that you you have to, number one, trust your gut. Number two, communication. I suggest having a conversation with your child to see what led up to that breach of mm-hmm. trust. Was it, I felt like I had to hide things from my parent. And if I felt like I had to hide something, why did I feel wow. like I needed to hide it? And I used to tell my kids this all, all, all the time. Like, I'm the cool parent. <laughs> I, I, I really and truly am. I'm the cool parent. My children can pretty much come to me and talk to me about anything. We have boundaries, but they can pretty much come to me and talk to me about anything. And so for them to lie to me and ultimately betray my trust, it takes me so a while serious. to come back. It takes a while. It takes me a while to come to come back from that because one of my biggest pet peeves do not lie to me and do not lie on me mm-hmm. one of my biggest pet yeah. peeves so when my children lie to me <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh I'm like how dare you lie to the cool parent <laughs> yeah but I've learned in hindsight because again like I said last week I am not I am not the, the perfect parent what I've learned from experience is that there's an underlying issue. When your child feels like they cannot come to mom or dad and talk to them about things and, and have open communication, somewhere down the line, we made them feel like they couldn't. We did it unconsciously. I'm not saying you said, we don't have these conversations in my house. You do what I say. I'm not saying that. But unconsciously, somewhere down the line, there was a break in communication. And I'm telling you from my own personal experience. So I suggest when your child has broken your trust, find out where the break in communication happened. That's really good. Go to, he's just going to throw a name out here, Melody. Go to Melody and say, hey, you did this, whatever you did. I trusted you. And now I'm at a point where that trust is kind of in limbo. So can we have a conversation? Mm -hmm. Can we have a conversation about, about why you snuck out of the house last night? What brought that on? Okay. There's a question. And then, so when he or she tells you why they snuck out of the house, dig a little deeper. Why, whatever their response is, well, why did you do that? Why did you feel that way? And I promise you, if you continue to ask those questions, you will get to the root cause of why they felt like I couldn't come to mom and tell her that I wanted to go to this dance or I wanted mm-hmm. to have an overnight stay at, at my friend's house. It's, the bottom line is, like we said in last week's episode, open and honest communication. You have to create an environment where they can have open and honest communication. And if they have broken your trust, there's a break in that open and honest communication. And that is what you need to figure out. That's really, really good. I ain't yeah. got the feel, but. No, but you're right. Like that's, that's true as any relationship, right? Like if mm-hmm. you can't communicate, then you're kind of dead in the water. Like there's, mm-hmm. everything else is a non-starter. You're not going anywhere. You're certainly not moving forward. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, the only way you can foster that that communication is through 
like we were talking about last week, um, vulnerability, being willing to be vulnerable. And again, like this is not a situation that I've dealt with before, but I would, I would guess that if I were in a situation like that, I would kind of approach it the way that you, the way that you just described, Shirley, like let's, can we have a conversation? And I think once I sat down with my child to have a conversation again, I see it as, okay, mom, that's me. Here's your opportunity to be vulnerable. And I would say to my child, you know, maybe like, like you, I feel like I'm a pretty cool parent. It's like, hey, we've always had this relationship where you know that you can come and talk to me about things. And so when you didn't talk to me or when you did this or you snuck out or you lied about this, that really hurt me because it made me feel like you don't trust me the way you always have before. And so I probably would open it up like that. So, you know, what, what's happened? I love the way you reverse it. You say it, it makes me feel like you don't trust me anymore. So yeah. you basically took the, the spotlight off the child and, and said, how did I make you feel like you couldn't trust me? Like you couldn't trust me. Like stuff. you had to hide something. Exactly. And that, that's what you need yeah. to do. You, at the end of the day, I think parents have this thing where we feel like we need to make our kids think that we haven't done anything wrong in our lives. Mm-hmm. You snuck out of the house. You skipped school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I know I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to create an environment where we can, so, so that our children feel safe because if they know that mom, I'm not. I'm not saying giving them permission to be sneaking out of the house. That's right. not what I'm no, saying. No, of course not. But if you create an environment where they know that mom and dad aren't perfect, then they don't feel the need to be perfect. Because what happens is when when they feel the need to be perfect, then they're going to try to keep you from knowing that they're not perfect. That they're so not they, perfect. They're, so they are going to sneak out of the house. They are going to engage in, in activities that they should engage in because somewhere down the line, you made them feel like I'm perfect. I ain't never did nothing wrong in my life. And I'd be super disappointed in you if I found out that you did, you know. Exactly. You like and exactly. And then, and then we have all the, we have these. And again, this is me talking from my own personal experience. We have these standards that we want our children to live up to. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't hang out with this person. Don't hang out with that person. I'm just going to go on record as saying that when you do that, you push them into that thing, into the arms of the of the people that you are trying to protect them from. Telling you personal experience. I was trying so hard to save my son from all the things that were going on in the neighborhood that we were living in at that time. And the very people that I was that I was trying to save him from, he ended up running straight into their arms because he rebelled against what I was trying to tell him. But you know why he rebelled against it? Because I did not tell him why. I just said, do what I say. Don't do what I don't do this. Do it my way. I never gave him an explanation as to why you don't need to hang out with this person or engage in this type of behavior. And as parents, we need to do a better job with that. Don't just say, don't do this because I said, don't do it. Don't say, oh, I don't want you on 
what's the thing everybody uses now? The Snapchat. Because right. it's my understanding that Snapchat disappears after 24 hours. So if you if you're gonna tell tell your kid, don't be on Snapchat doing whatever they do, like the new pictures and I know they do some of that, but tell them why. <laughs> Tell tell them that it stay it does it never leaves the internet. Tell them that it can fall in the wrong hands. It's all about effective communication. Yeah. And when you don't have that yeah. communication, that's when the kid ends up betraying your trust. And don't be afraid to, like Natty said, don't be afraid to tell them that you screwed up once or twice in your life too. Yeah, don't be afraid of any of that. Like even with like the Snapchat thing, Snapchat's a lot better than than it used to be, and I only know that because I I I used it extensively a couple of years ago. But yeah, it had this reputation before that for being this is the thing that you do, and I was just like, Ugh, I'm not getting my like, And what I told my my oldest son, who was a teenager at the time, I wasn't like, Hey, don't get on that. I was like, I heard that this is what this thing is for. That sounds really sketchy. That sounds super sus. And like, I would not, you know, again, just being forthcoming and being honest and being vulnerable because I might also sound like a dumb parent that's out of touch and doesn't know what's really going on. It's like, right. you know about that, mom, you know, or something like that. But if you're willing to put yourself out there like that with your child, because you trust them enough to want to foster that kind of relationship with them, then chances are they might actually listen to you and they might not go and do that thing. Exactly. And it's not because, oh, mama said, don't do it. It's more like, wow, she, she seemed really concerned about, the, you know, like you said, stuff stays on the internet and like, I wouldn't want to do anything that was going to, potentially follow me around in a very negative way and hurt me later on. And I understand, you know, she, she said that and I, I get it. You just never know, but it's, I don't think it's ever a bad to be more vulnerable with the people, especially the people that you love the most. Right. Cause if you can't be vulnerable with them, like who are you being vulnerable with? Really? Who are you confiding in or, or trusting with anything in your life, if you can't be that way with the people who are closest to you and whom you love the most and whom you want to have the best kind of relationship with. So, yeah, I don't think it's ever a bad idea. And I think the only thing that can come of it is more, like, you know, more trust and more openness and more of a willingness on both parties' sides to communicate about everything. All right. Well, I hope we answered that question because I feel like we were just talking and we gave out so much good stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we did. <laughs> but, at, but at the end of the day, I, I think that there's a breakdown in communication when your child has betrayed you and in order to or betrayed your trust and in order to get that trust back, then you need, you need to get to the root cause of the breakdown in communication. Like, why did this thing happen? And ask lots and lots of questions and then be very clear about what you expect from your child and have your child to be very, very clear with you about what they expect from you as parents because children have expectations with parents as well. So just like we expect them to do things, they expect us to do things as well. Like Nala tells me all the time, mom, you don't listen. 
or she used to tell me all the time, mom, you don't listen. And now I'm more conscious about listening. And when, when she's talking, I'm not preparing my response. I'm yeah. letting her say what she needs to say. So all, all of that, be a great listener, so be, a great, be a great communicator. And, yep. and when your child, if, if there's something that you're doing that, you know, is it, causing your child to engage in activities, be open, be open and honest enough to have that conversation with them and then make the necessary adjustments. There, there's no shame in, in adjusting as a parent nope. because we're not perfect. And parenting did not come with a handbook. Sure we're learning is. as we go. And sometimes it's, it's going to be our children that teach us. That teach us. Yep. And that's just the way it is. All right, then. Okay. We got one last question. The last question is, well, we have other questions, but again, if we didn't get to your question, that that's because we felt like it needed a full episode. I think we said, we didn't say that this yeah, time, but yeah. yeah. So the last one we are going to answer before we wrap it up is what are some steps to healing? And I feel like we talked Ooh. about this in a couple of episodes back and I'm just going to say this and then I'm gonna let Natty take over. Healing is an individual journey. And so although we can offer you some suggestions, you are going to ultimately have to find out what works for you. But I feel like we can give you some steps, you know, according to what worked for us. So Nettie, take it away, honey. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I agree with you. I agree with you a lot, Shirley. It's just like, I, know, I feel like I'm always I saying, I agree with you. I agree I with you. But yeah, it's an individual, it's an individual, Shirley, I almost said it. Yeah. It's an individual journey. It's an individual <laughs> journey. And it's kind of like what we were saying in that great episode where we were talking about don't tell someone how to feel. Exactly. Or yes. how to react or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things that is imperative for anybody, well, I guess there are two things that I feel are imperative. One is to really acknowledge that you're not okay. because we tend to just be like, oh yeah, it's whatever. I'm fine. It's all good. And we know good. Well, it's not, it's not Mm -hmm. all good. Mm -hmm. We're, 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 we're really messed up emotionally because of whatever has happened and we feel all different ways about it. And so, no, we're not good. So you got to be honest with yourself and be able to acknowledge that, no, you're not okay. And then I think the other imperative thing is to start to let it out. Now, it might not be something where you're comfortable talking to someone about it right away. And I totally get that. And so, but there's, there are other outlets, like for me and for Shirley, it's journaling. For some people, it can be just going into prayer every day for an hour and just I'm just going to sit here and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray pray or whatever until I feel better. But whatever it is that you've got to do to start to get it out so that it's not inside of you, not just trapped inside, kind of building up pressure like some kind of powder keg that's going to go off. Whatever that is, start to do that. And if it isn't talking to someone, do whatever the other thing is that can help you start to release it so that you can get to a point where you are comfortable talking to somebody about it or at least writing about it or doing something that kind of releases it. So yeah, acknowledge that you're not okay. 
and do whatever you can to start a process of releasing it. So that kind of like with unforgiveness, you're not just holding on to, to anger and despair and all kinds of other things. As far as the journal, journaling goes, if you, if you want to journal and you are not sure where to start, you can find journals, healing journals that have prompts yeah. that will ask you the right question so that you can kind of process that experience. So, and I'm sure you can find them on Amazon, other books. Oh, they're everywhere. They, yeah. they, are, they are everywhere. So if you want to, if you don't know where to start with writing, then grab a journal that has prompts in it already that will ask the right question for you to begin to process those unhealed, those unhealed places in you. But like Natty said, mm-hmm. the first step is acknowledging that you do need help in that area. And then if you need to seek professional help, don't be ashamed to do that. Yeah. Especially if you have the means to do so. I know that therapy is kind of, is all, is kind of, a privilege. Not everyone can afford to do that. Everyone has that kind of, you know, the money that it takes to, to pay for therapy sessions. And it's not always covered by insurance. And maybe you don't have insurance. So I totally, I understand that. And I'm not just saying, hey, go get therapy. Like, oh, you know, it's just, oh, that's simple. That's super easy for me to do. No problem. I get that it's not something that everyone has access to. It's something I believe that we should all have access to. Right. Um, but until that's reality if you have the means to do so yeah you know, talk to somebody and if you enjoy podcasts there's a really good one therapy for black girls oh yeah it's it's a really good one again Natalie and I are not therapists but the lady that hosts that podcast is a she is she's a, she's a licensed therapist and she is amazing she also has a a Facebook group if you want to go in and I've, I've been in there and there's space for you to ask questions as it relates to healing and things like that. So that that's an option for you as well. Check out Therapy for Black Girls podcast, join their Facebook group, they're on Instagram, all of that. It's a, it's a really good podcast. It's a really good podcast. Yeah. Right? yeah. Check them out because I do. It's great. Yes. It's a really good podcast. So Therapy for Black Girls, and that will give you some more detailed and for more than what Natty and I can give, because again, yeah. we are not we are not licensed therapists. So yeah, I hope we did we answered your questions to um, your satisfaction. This is the last of the mailbag episode for now. We'll do another one later. Again, if you did not hear your question on part one or part two, just know that we are committing a full episode to it. So yeah, we got a lot of great stuff coming up in the coming weeks. Next week, we are going to be talking about strong Black women and emotional spending and impulse buying. We have a super duper. Well, let's not talk about that. (laughs) Oh, yes. We go. (laughs) We talk about all the things. Remember? All the things that shape, make, and sometimes break the strong Black woman. Sometimes I really do be like, girl, treat yourself because it's been that kind of week. Yes, yes, yes. It's like, so no, we, you really shouldn't. Natty, but I I'm going to you. anyway. Yes, I feel I t- look, I do the same thing and that's why we're going to get some assistance yes. to help us get away from emotional spending and impulse buying because we want to leave leave an amazing legacy for our children and our children's children. So, yeah. we're teaching them as we learn. So, yeah. We have a guest coming on next week to talk about that. So we certainly hope that you will tune in. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Any closing words, Natty? Just that I, I pray that everyone who's listening today is having a wonderful, wonderful day and feeling like they can conquer anything and accomplish anything today. I feel, I hope that you are feeling like you are on top of the world because things are rough <laughs> sometimes out here. Stuff gets real sticky and I just feel like sometimes we just need a little bit of encouragement to say, you, you've really got this and you're going to be all right and you're already all right. So yeah, I hope, I just hope you feel that way today. Yeah, me too. I hope the same thing. Mm-hmm. And if all you can do is breathe, do yeah. that. Do that. Do that. If that's all you can do, do that. There's absolutely mm-hmm. no shame in that. All right. Well, we are going to get out of here. As always, Shades are Strong across all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, ShadesOfStrong.com. Hi at Shades of Strong is the high at shadesofstrong.com is the email address if you want to shoot us an email so i guess we'll see y'all on the flip side we sure will on the flip side (laughs) anyway only people born in the 70s that would be us (laughs) yes (laughs) all right guys we out of here see you next time bye Cause you never did before